Now today we're going to dive into another idea, uh, and this is something that we actually practice every week, and that is the idea of the Sabbath. So as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, when we think of the Sabbath, one of the first things that we think of is the day that we worship, right? The seventh day, Saturday, and it's a part of our name. So obviously, Seventh-day Adventist uh, Christians, when people hear it or when you think of it, you will think of the Sabbath. But sometimes we get so caught up with the Sabbath being a days of do's and don'ts, of regulations, right? For young people, I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Sometimes your parents come to you and call you out for doing something on the Sabbath that you shouldn't be doing. And then all you think about is, dude, I wish the Sabbath was over so I could keep doing what I was doing, right? Uh, I used to be like that as a kid too. So I, I understand how that feels. Parents, maybe you've grown up in a church where that was the emphasis of the Sabbath as well. A Sabbath of do's and don'ts, of rules and regulations. You see, we grow up in a culture of Adventism that teaches us that the Sabbath is a day of do's and don'ts. Or in other words, it becomes a day of legalism rather than a day of rest. Now, I don't want to jump into this too quickly because I know that this could, um, this could get really messy if I'm not careful. So we're going to take our time and we're going to break down a little bit about what the Sabbath is all about. Okay, I want to keep this as simple as possible too. Uh, there's no reason for me to make this complicated, no reason for me to make this confusing, um, but I want to make it as simple as possible. But yet through the simplicity of the explaining of the Sabbath, uh, I want it to become as practical as possible uh, for your spiritual life. So ultimately, I want to show you how the Sabbath is one of the ways in which we can practice silence and solitude and to be in line with what God wants us to have, right? the ideal of the Sabbath. Now, to begin, uh, I think it's very important that we use the Bible as the testimony of our faith. And so we're going to just really just focus in on what the Bible has to say about the Sabbath to begin. Right. So where's the first place the Sabbath is mentioned in our Bibles? Does anyone know? Any guesses? Well, <laughs> I can't hear any of your guesses, but um, uh, where do we see the first mention of the Sabbath? If you guessed in Genesis, you are absolutely correct, right? It is in the very first uh, chapter or the second chapter of the book of Genesis, but it's in the first uh, moment of history that we find the story um, where uh, it leads up to the Sabbath, right? And that's in the creation story. Turn your Bibles to, with me to Genesis chapter 2, and we're just going to read verses 1 to 3. And this is the end of the creation week. Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And this is what the Bible says. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. But the seventh day God had finished the work he was doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it he rested from all the work of creating uh, that he had done. So we find the first instance of the Sabbath being mentioned after the completion of creation. So there's a, a very important literary um, uh, pattern that we find in the Bible, throughout the Bible actually. Uh, and it's something that, that they use to create emphasis to a certain theme or a central theme. Right? It's called a chiasm or in other words, a chiastic structure. Okay, so we're going to get a little uh, like education-y uh, for today's worship. 
But basically, a chiasm or a chiastic structure, it's a literary device that uh, in which an ideal is presented, and then that ideal is repeated again, but in reverse order. So you can think of it kind of like a mirror, right? When you look at a mirror, it you are the ideal presented to the mirror, and the mirror reflects the image to you, but it's in reverse order, right? Um, so for example, the structure would look like A, B, B, A, right? A, B, B, A, right? So A, B is the ideal. The reflection is the B, A, okay? Uh, sometimes uh, chiasms can include another brand new ideal in the middle of the reflection, right? So that it would be A, B, X, A, B, right? Okay. So some chiasms, for uh, example, are really simple. One that I can think of just right now is uh, when the going gets tough, tough gets going, right? Uh, that's a really simple one. If we look at the Bible, uh, we find it a lot actually. And Jesus actually uses uh, chiasm or chiastic structure. Uh, he uses it in Mark 2 verse 27. It says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? So you see that there's this, this literary uh, device that's being used by biblical authors and people in the Bible um, one of the longest ones uh, in the Bible, and this is this is really interesting, and, and you'll see why I'm, I'm, I'm explaining this. But one of the longer chiasms found in the Bible is in the book of Joel, okay? Uh, Joel verse, or chapter 3, verse 17 to 21. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to go through uh, reading this whole thing, but I'll explain to you how, they di- how this works in a chiastic structure, okay? So basically, if you look at Joel chapter uh, 3, verse 7 to 21, it starts with, God dwells in Zion. Then it moves to the ideal that Jerusalem is holy. And then it talks about how foreign invaders aren't banished. And then it comes to the main point, which is the blessings of the kingdom. And then it goes backwards. It talks about how foreign enemies are destroyed. And then it talks about Jerusalem and Judah being preserved, right? How it's holy. And then it wraps up with how God dwells in Zion. Right. So you see, it's like this pyramid effect. Right. So with that, uh, when we look at this story, the creation story, we see the very exact same thing happening. Okay. Uh, not necessarily in the sense of it's reflecting, but you'll see what I mean when I explain it to you. Because I and I love this. Okay. And if you've had Bible study with me or baptismal study, then this will be familiar. I, I love sharing this because it's so like. It's crazy, okay? So uh, it shows also how intentional and amazing God is, right? The God that we worship. So follow through with me. Okay, let's look at the slide. So you see here, uh, here's my little triangle here, and you see uh, this is the chiastic structure, okay? Now, in this chiastic structure, we're going to be looking at the creation story. So if uh, if you may, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 1 and just follow along with me. Uh, and I realized actually by teaching this, a lot of people... Um, uh, get the, the creation week a little bit confused, right? And so we're, we're just going to go through that, okay? So uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, we'll start uh, with the first day. So what happened on the first day of creation? Does anyone know? Okay. Verse 3, let there be light. There was light. God saw the light was good and separated light from darkness, okay? So the first day of creation, God creates light and he divides it from the darkness. That's the first day, okay? Day two, what happens day two? Okay, look at verse six. Let there be an expanse between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the expanse, or some versions may say atmosphere, and separate the water under the expanse from the water above it. And it was so. 
Okay. God called the expanse sky. There was evening, morning, second day. Right. So basically God created the atmosphere and divided it from the ocean. Okay. That's day two. Now look at day three. We're moving up this, this, uh, uh, this triangle. Day three. Uh, what happens? Day three. Day three. Starting at verse uh, nine. Yes. Let uh, the waters under the sky be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. Uh, and it was so. God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. Okay. So day three. Okay. The land was created, divided from the water. And then if you keep going, verse 11 to 13, uh, vegetation is all created. Okay. So what do you notice about how, what God does in this creation week? Okay. God starts with creating light and dividing it from darkness. So light and dark. Okay. Then he creates an atmosphere, uh, that's divided from the ocean. And then he creates land, divides that from water and creates the vegetables and stuff. What you see here is God is creating the environment, right? So the left side of this triangle, we see God creates the environment, right? But let's keep going. Creation story doesn't end there yet, right? And this is also a really easy way to, to remember the creation story if you ever get confused. I, I find that a lot of people actually get this confused. Okay, day four. What happens day four? Okay, day four, verse 14. Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. Let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light to the earth. And it was so, right? God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. Okay, so basically what is God doing here on the fourth day? Okay, God creates the sun, moon, stars, and he fills the sky. So, so the light and the darkness, the environment was created first, and then God fills that environment. Okay. What happens day five? Follow through with me. You guys will see. This is super beautiful. Okay. Day five. What, what does he do? Okay. Okay. We're just going to skip through this now, but day five, basically God creates right, creatures that fill the sky and the waters. What did he do on day two? He created the atmosphere and divided it from the ocean, the environment, and then the fillings, right? He filled the environment. Day six, what happens day six? Okay. God creates all the creatures to fill the land. And then God creates man as the pinnacle of creation, right? What did he do day three? Okay, so if you look across this chiastic structure, you see that God is very intentional with how he does this creation, right? He starts with the environment and then fills that environment. But creation doesn't end there, right? The work of creation ended with the creation of human beings. But the pinnacle, the peak of creation week, it all points up to this ideal called the Sabbath, right? Now, I don't know about you. When I first studied this and heard about this and saw this connection in the creation week, I got, I got goosebumps, right? We see that God is very intentional in the creation week. And it all points to this idea that at the end of the pinnacle, the point of it is the day of rest, right? The most important part of the creation week is the Sabbath. You see, all of creation, all of the work that God had done points to the ideal of the Sabbath, a place where humans and God can partake in this fellowship 
to pause and stop the busyness of, of everything that had just happened and simply rest, right? You see, God makes all of this, okay, to make a space and time in which he fills with fellowship. Okay, you see, human beings, their initial relationship with God was a relationship that consisted of rest and dependence. And God intentionally created that time so that that could be a reality, right? So, okay, with that, now that you see this chiastic structure, the next time we see the Sabbath commandment, any guesses? If you guessed in the book of Exodus, you are correct, right? Then Exodus chapter 20, uh, verse 8 to 11, we find uh, the fourth commandment of the Ten Commandments, right? Um, and so the Sabbath commandment actually appears twice uh, in, in our Bibles. If you didn't know, there's two sets of Ten Commandments. Uh, but we're going to talk about the first one for now. Okay, Exodus 20, verse 8 to 11. This is what it says. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of, uh, to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So let's start here, okay? The key here is this, is that we remember the Sabbath day because it is a memorial of creation. Okay, the language that we find here in the Sabbath commandment uh, is specific, and it comes directly from the same language that we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. So according to the Bible, okay, that the first reason why we keep the Sabbath is to remember creation. Okay? Then, okay, God gets upset with the people, and so Moses shatters the first set of Ten Commandments, and then we get it again, and guess what book? If you guess Leviticus, it's not Leviticus. It's in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5. And uh, we'll look at uh, verse 12 to 15. Okay, Gen- uh, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 to 15. And this is what it says. It says, Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your ox, your donkey, or any of your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns, so that your male and female servants may rest as you do. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Now, if you compare the two sets of Ten Commandments, you'll find that they're precisely, basically, they're the same, right? Uh, besides the fourth commandment. There's a little bit of a difference here in the fourth commandment. You see, creation is not mentioned here like it was in Exodus. But instead, the key that we have to remember the Sabbath is because they were once slaves in Egypt, and now they were free. In other words, we keep the Sabbath because it reminds us of the finished work of salvation. It's a representation from the deliverance of bondage and of sin. Okay. Now, you might be wondering, okay, Pastor, how did you get that? Where did, where did you get the, the finished work of salvation thing, right? It doesn't say that. It just says that they were once slaves in Egypt. Okay, let me remind you of what happens in the Exodus, right? Not the book of Exodus. Well, it, I mean Exodus, but 
the Exodus, right? The whole story is this. Okay, we've heard the story. Israelites, slaves in Egypt, right? And God brings them out of Egypt. And the sign in which signified the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage, it was the final plague. It was the 10th plague, which was considered the Passover, or which is called the Passover. You see, in this ideal of the Passover, the Passover was when they had to take the blood of an innocent lamb, and they put it on their doorpost, and in doing so, Yahweh, or the Lord, God, would pass over their home so the firstborn wouldn't die, right? I think we're all familiar with that story. But what does that represent? You see, it represents the price that Jesus paid on the cross of Calvary. You see, how the cross, the death of Jesus Christ, it's directly talked about in the Sabbath commandment, right? Jesus sets us free from universal bondage, universal slavery of sin by dying the death that we deserved. The lamb that was slain, the innocent lamb was slain and set us free that liberated us. So according to the Bible, it's very straightforward. The Sabbath is a reminder of the finished work of creation and the finished work of salvation. Amen? That's so beautiful, you guys. You see, the Sabbath is a beautiful reminder of what God has done and what God promises us and what God continues to do for us. Right? So let's, let's speak a little bit more practically. Um, you see, the Sabbath is a way in which we can find solitude and silence. Right? It's a way to set aside time to fellowship and simply be with God. Right? It's a way to break away from the bondage and slavery of our everyday life. However, it's, it's, it's so unfortunate because contemporary Christians, uh, including uh, people in the Seventh-day Adventist church, pay very little or almost no attention to the ideal of the Sabbath, right? You see, the ideal of the Sabbath either gets drowned in the, like I said at the beginning, in rules and regulations, do's and do nots. It's completely disregarded and some people may see it as irrelevant or some people have no, no feelings or they feel indifferent to the ideal of really what the Sabbath is all about. You see, unfortunately... We as a church and we as a community have made the Sabbath a day in which it becomes more restricting. But the reality of the Sabbath is that it's actually a day of liberation, as we've mentioned before. It's a day of freedom, right? It's a reminder that God has taken us from captivity and given us so much more, right? There's a book that I enjoyed reading a while back, um, and it talks about the Sabbath, but it's by a Jewish theologian by the name of Walter Bergman. Um, and he wrote a book that talked about the Sabbath. And because he's Jewish, obviously, he focuses a lot on the ideal of the Sabbath. But it was really insightful for me um, as a Seventh-day Adventist pastor uh, to, to hear what he had to say about the Sabbath. And the book, uh, he titled it Sabbath as Resistance, Saying No to the Culture of Now. How relevant is that? Especially in a culture where we, we live in a world that is constantly on the go. That's never, it doesn't stop moving, right? We're always go, 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 get things done, 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 right? There's so much that goes on in our lives. It almost feels like, you know, the options that we have, the choices that, that we get, it's like limitless. Like there's so many, so many, so many options. You see, our jobs consume all of our lives, schooling, 
play. All of these things really just take a toll on who we are as people. But you see, this is the point. This is the big point. Okay, By taking a Sabbath, by observing the Sabbath day, okay, we have the chance to set aside all this chaos that happens in our world and to take an alternative to a culture that buries us in consumption, in anxiety, in violence. Right? The purpose and the point of the Sabbath is a time in which we can reorientate ourselves to the life God intended and wanted for us. You see, there's this challenge for us to break the restless cycle of life and to focus on the most important thing in life, which is God. Right? I mean, think about it. Think about this, you guys. I don't know about you, but when I was a, a, a kid, especially in high school, uh, I actually really enjoyed the Sabbath. And you may think that's crazy. Uh, I was a little confused about the Sabbath, obviously. I shared in Sabbath school a little bit. Um, but I enjoyed it because uh, I was able to simply put a pause on the chaos and the, the craziness of my, my student life, right? To simply be at church, to be with people, to focus on something who had control of this chaos, right? It was a breather. It was a huge sigh of relief for me that I didn't have to deal with the craziness of life, that I could take a day where I could just step back and say, you know what, like, it's all about you, God. Like, today is not about me, it's about you, God. You see, there's many examples that I could give where rest is so important, right? This ideal of taking a break and taking a step aside, okay? Things like working out, right? For those that work out and that know that if you keep working out too much, that it's actually not good for you, that your muscles and your body needs rest to recover and to rebuild, right? Or this ideal of crops and fields, right? Farmers, they give their land a time to rest. They call it the ideal of a following, right? So that the ground can regain its nutrition, right? The nutrients for growing crops, okay? Um, think about like your computer, your devices, your phone doesn't last forever, your, your device also needs to take the time to charge and to reboot, right? You see, we were designed to rest. Okay? God had created us intentionally from the beginning of time to rest. Initially, we were created to be dependent on God, right? To be reconnected to the source and the power of it all. And God knew this very so, right? And the Sabbath day is that day, that time that God sets aside for us to come into fellowship with him, to recover and to revive in our lives. You see, the Sabbath day, we as Seventh-day Adventist Christians, we as Christians need to take time to enter into the Sabbath, to reconnect, to realign with God, to refresh, to replenish ourselves, to remind ourselves of the beautiful work in which God did for us through creation and the beautiful work in which God continues to do for us in the liberating of our sins. To be reminded of the salvation that God gave and the fact that we have an alternative to break free from this vicious cycle of life. You see, church, we live in a time where the world is currently on pause. So maybe it's time for us to think of this as the opportunity to find rest in God. Instead of taking the time to think, 
oh, well, God's got this in control. Like, everything's going to come and go. Like, we won't have to worry about anything anymore. Like, coronavirus, like, don't worry about it. It's going to go away eventually. Instead of thinking of it that way, let's take this moment and let it, let's let, not let it get away from us. Let's use this moment as an opportunity to say, hey, maybe I need to realign myself with God. Maybe when it comes to practicing the Sabbath, then now is the opportunity for me to step back from the chaos of my life, the chaos of the world that we live in now, and say, hey, maybe I need to realign with God. Maybe I need to recharge myself and plug into the power of what God has. To get right with God and to begin creating this habit of keeping the Sabbath. You see, like I said earlier, I believe God is very intentional. We see in creation, God was extremely intentional in building the environment and then filling that environment and God creating that time and space for us to fellowship with him. The initial relationship we had with God was a relationship of rest and dependence. It was the opportunity for us to be with him where God can devote all his time, attention and focus on you. That's the value of the Sabbath. And so I think we as a church at a time like now need to uphold this ideal of practicing the Sabbath even more so. Right? God has created this time. God is yearning and longing to have a moment to talk with you. You know, people on social media and people have been saying like, oh, maybe God is allowing this to pull through. And there's, there's a lot of theological things that I could talk about um, about God allowing these things to happen and whatnot. Um, But uh, besides that fact, some people say that maybe like God is like knocking on the hearts of our, of the door of our hearts. Maybe God is knocking and saying, hey, now that you're at home doing nothing, now that you have all this time, why don't you spend time with me? Church, I believe that we're living in a time where Jesus is coming soon. And I think God yearns and and longs to have this quality time with you. God has created the Sabbath day, this day that we come to worship, not because our parents told us to, not because it's a part of tradition or history. It's because God wants to spend time with you because it's in the silence and the solitude of life. In the solitude and silence of the Sabbath, in which we can spend quality time with God. Church, I pray that at a time like now, that you are not discouraged, but you are encouraged by what God is going to do for us. God will come home. God will take us, or God will come back to take us home. And until then, let's continue to uphold the Sabbath day to make that one of the key foundations of our journey with him and spend time with God and reconnect and realign with him.